0: Welcome to Coaching Conversations, a weekly discussion of topics related to coaching and sport of volleyball at all levels. I'm your host, John Foreman, author of the CoachingVB.com blog and co-developer of the Volleyball Coaching Wizards Project. Let's dive right in. Welcome to episode 27 of the podcast. It is April 14th, 2021 as I record this. It's actually a little bit later than I would normally do it for my patrons, uh, if you're not a patron, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash coaching volleyball, and you can become one. Or you can look for the link on coachingvb.com, it's there too. Uh, normally, I put these things out a week early for patrons, uh, but in this instance, I wanted to wait until I had the, uh, the. well, I knew already, but I wanted to wait till the official announcement of the all conference, uh, for the men's season this year, um, being a member of the all region committee, I actually got an early peek at that, um, over the weekend, uh, but I didn't want to post anything up until it was actually officially announced. So now that it's announced, uh, I'm free to talk about it. And essentially what I want to do today in this, uh, guest free episode is just kind of review the Medai college men's season uh, for 2021. Uh, just have a look back at it, uh, talk about you know what we went through and how things progressed and all that sort of stuff. Um, first time for me coaching an American collegiate men's team. Uh, I did it obviously uh, when I was coaching at the University of Exeter over in England. So it's not my first time coaching, you know, men's team overall, just, uh, just, doing so on the men's side here in the States. Uh, so as just to kind of lay the foundations, um, normally in a, in a standard year in the fall, probably at, after the women's season ends in November, uh, depending on timelines, the, the guys would have a few weeks of non-traditional season where they're allowed uh, 16 I guess, uh, opportunities, training, playing opportunities, one of which can be competition, uh, with no overnight travel. That's the division three policy. So you could do that over, you know, whatever period of time you want to do it. Uh, so long as you give the players two days off per week. So you could do it in three weeks and have it done, or you could spread it out over maybe a month or whatever. Uh, yeah, obviously each coach can make their own decision based on availability and stuff like that. This year, obviously, because of COVID, we didn't have that. We only had a, a very short, I think three or four sessions that we were able to do before Thanksgiving, uh, before uh, COVID shut everything, all athletic activities down once again, at least in die So we didn't really get anything in the way of a non-traditional season. Uh, we also didn't, get some of the preseason that the guys would normally get uh, uh, generally speaking they would come back a, about a week early to uh, ahead of the start of the second semester which would normally put it probably somewhere around the 10th or 11th of january uh, a couple of things conspired to push things back this year uh first of which was nobody was able to, well i don't Yeah, I don't think any of us were able to start before school started. And second, because they decided to drop spring break this year, take that out of the calendar, they moved the start of the second term back a week from where it would normally begin. So I think it was the 27th of January that we started, when we would have normally started on the 20th. Something something like that. Uh, So we not only didn't start a week before school started. Uh, We also started, because school started a week later, we started essentially two weeks behind when we would normally start. Now, of course, this was never going to be a full season like we would normally have. At the end of the day, the decision was made that we were going to play a single-round Robin in conference. Uh, So that's eight. There's eight teams in the AMCC, the Allegheny Conference. Uh, So seven matches uh, there, plus because of the NCAA requirement on minimum number of matches, you have to have played, I think, I I don't know if they changed this somewhere along the way, but we were told 11 going in. So that meant we needed to schedule two non-conference matches to ensure that had we won our conference tournament, we would have 11. So it would be seven regular season conference matches, the conference tournament was going to be semifinals and finals, so you two more. That gets you to nine. Plus two non-conferences would get you to uh, to the 11 required. As it turns out, because of some uncertainty over whether we were going to play our first conference match, because of travel restrictions and whatnot that were in place, we played a third non-conference just to, to give us that cushion in there. Um, the Basically, all I did was schedule non-conferences in Buffalo. Um, we have two Division II schools, Damon and D'Youville. Duville actually was D3 until just this academic year when they moved up and they were in our conference. So I scheduled uh, a first match away to Duville. Second match was home against Damon. And then when we, when we were worried about that first conference match being a potential problem, I scheduled a whole match against Yuville to, to fill that, that void in there. Uh, so our pre-conference schedule started, I uh, believe February 24th was the first date that we played. That was So that was a way to do, Uh We ended up beating them 3-0. So it was a pretty good way to start. It was a little bit funny because in in hindsight, and we didn't know this at the time. Although apparently, people who were watching on the live stream were kind of really confused by this. But there was there was a, a couple of scoring glitches in the second set that probably would have seen Dioville win that set because they were both in in our maybe not necessarily in our favor, but certainly not in the favor of Dioville. Like they didn't get points when they should have got points, sort of situation. Anyway. So we ended up winning uh, 3-0. I had all the guys, uh, had the the lineup that I thought was our best lineup. Um, so it was it was a good, you know, let's get our feet wet and see what we need to work on to get better and try to prep for, uh, for conference. The, it was about eight, nine days later that we played Damon at home. Uh, Damon is, like I said, their D2 program. So generally, you would expect them to be at a higher level than us. Um, they've kind of been soaking up much of the better men's volleyball talent in Western New York over the last three four years since they've been established, uh, which which obviously changes the dynamic in the region. And it'll be interesting to see how things work with you, L also moving up and what that does. But, you know, hey, we can only do what we can do anyway. I had, you know I I wanted to schedule those guys uh, because I wanted to, to to get us pushed by a, a team that was going to be physically superior to us, and that's what we got. We definitely had that, um, and, and it went and it worked out actually better than I expected. Um, first set not so great. I think we got to sixteen. Uh, second set I believe we got to to twenty, maybe nineteen or twenty. We won the third set. Uh, which I was not expecting at all, uh, but the guys got, got the intensity in there and had the fight and did the performance. And do a helped by making a few errors, and they certainly weren't playing their best players at that time. Uh, and they came back and they they won. I think it was maybe 19 again in the in the in the fourth set. Uh, but we generally speaking, we came away uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we then. I believe it was the Tuesday following that was when we scheduled the the Duval match, the second time around we home, and the guys clearly didn't take them seriously. They they didn't they were unfocused in their pregame uh, and just didn't come out with the the necessary intensity and focus and whatnot. And Duval took it to us. They were clearly motivated. They wanted some revenge from what happened at their place, and they played really well, and we didn't. And so we got beat easily. It uh, wasn't embarrassing on the scoreboard necessarily, but it was certainly pretty embarrassing in terms of performance, at least relative to our capability. Uh, but a bit of a lesson learned there. Not a complete lesson, and I'll get back to that in a minute, uh, but a bit of a lesson. I actually didn't have two guy, uh, one guy for either of those two matches because he had failed to turn up for his uh, required COVID test. Because as an intermediate risk sport by the NTA standards, our requirement was each week 25% of the team had to test. Well, he missed his. It was essentially a a situation where he didn't communicate an issue that he had getting to the test, which – could have allowed for some flexibility in getting him in there. Didn't do it. Missed it. So he was automatically out for a week until the next testing cycle came around. So he missed the Damon match and he missed the second duo match, uh, which forced me to take the, the middle that I had moved to opposite, put him back in the middle, put one of my outside hitters uh, on the right, and put my uh, my starting Libro at that time. Um up to outside hitter. Not a horrible lineup. Um, that the libero had actually played some outside hitter in our first match because one of our, our starting outsides was having a bit of a knee issue uh, going into the third set. So it wasn't like a... Yes, it was not optimal, but it wasn't a terrifying or horrible situation um, to be able to do that. So going into our first conference match, which did end up happening on schedule uh, because the, the travel stuff got clarified with New York state. Uh, I was going to be missing one of the guys, uh, but the middle, I just mentioned who had moved opposite. He had a wedding, so he wasn't going to be there, which basically meant we were kind of replacing him from the, the previous two matches with the guy who had just missed a week because he because of his missed test. Um, so, from a positional perspective, not the worst thing in the world, but you're going in playing a team that was picked to be one of the teams that you're going to have to contend with to get into the conference tournament with less than your your optimal lineup. Um, and just speaking back to, to that that kind of basically a preseason poll, Um, we were picked fifth out of the eight teams. So it was, I believe, Geneva was picked first. I think Penn State Barron was second. Penn State Altoona was third. Hiram was fourth. As I said, we were fifth. I think Teal was picked sixth. St. Vincent, seventh. And Hilbert, eighth. Now, Hilbert is a brand-new program. Uh, So no surprise that they would be picked down there. St. Vincent is not necessarily technically a brand new program, but near enough. So again, not surprised they were picking down. Teal actually won in 2019. Uh, So a bit of a drop off in terms of their roster. Uh, And I'll circle back around to them when I talk about playing them. Uh, but Hiram was our first match, so an important one in terms of, you know, looking at who's going to qualify for the tournament because only top four get in. So we we start the match, and and it's okay. Neither team plays particularly well offensively in the first set, but we squeak out a, a 25-23 win. Second set, their offense picked up. Ours didn't. They ended up beating us, I believe it was 25-19. Uh, it's... Early in the third set, close, I think it's like 6-5, somewhere in that area. And the the Libero, who's been forced to play outside hitter because of the, the absences, uh, goes down with a, a knee issue. And so he's out. That forces me to put essentially a, like a 5-6 DS type player in as outside hitter. Uh, because it really didn't make sense for me to use my other Libro in that spot neither of them were would. there was no good solution to it I'll, I'll just put it that way so not surprisingly the third and fourth sets ended up being big wipeouts i think of i think both of them were 25-14 or something very close to that anyway so really disappointing way to you know start the conference season especially in a match that we were competitive in and, you know, felt like even down a guy we had a chance of, of taking. So, okay, we get, get the guy back for the next one, which is um, actually we were supposed to play Hilbert on the following Wednesday. But they got shut down right as things started the conference because of a COVID thing. So their first three matches all had to get rescheduled. So we didn't end up playing them that week. Uh, so we went um, Saturday was our next match and that was against St. Vincent Uh, like I said a team that effectively is a new squad we I think it was what 25-12 something like that the first set I mean it wasn't it wasn't close at all Uh, and I remember as we were Getting ready to do the lineups for the second set, I heard one of the guys saying, hey, let's keep them under double digits this time around. And honestly, anytime I've heard that or I've even thought it myself, things never go anywhere near like that. And that's exactly what happened in this match. Um, The focus drops, the intensity drops. It ended up being, I believe it was 35-33 in the second set. And 25, 23, uh, or something like that in the third set. And we won, but it, it was one of those examples of hey, you you know, teams can beat you if you're not playing at the, the level of intensity focus that you need to. And I think the guys did learn that lesson because from there on out, they did a pretty good job of being fully in all the time. Yeah, okay, okay, there might have been a, you know, a, a a little bit of a dip here or there, but for the most part, they kept it up. And for the next what was it four, yeah, four matches, we didn't drop a single set. So after Saint Vincent, we played uh, Penn State Baron, who, as I said before, was one of the the top four preseason picks. Uh, we beat them three-0 at their place. We then hosted Penn State Altoona at our place and beat them 3-0. And then after that, we we played our rescheduled match with Hilbert on a Monday and then hosted Teal on a Wednesday. Uh, Teal only had seven guys on the roster, something along those lines. So both of those matches were (laughs) extremely comfortable, easy wins. Uh, We served, I believe it was 20... Three aces against Hilbert, uh, which is just, which broke the school record by five, uh, which is surprising. Uh, so we go. So we're five and one at that stage, having won fifteen straight sets, five straight matches, fifteen straight sets, and we're getting ready for the showdown against Geneva on on that Saturday, uh, April second, as the, the last match of the regular season. Uh, We Geneva had lost to Hiram uh, on Wednesday night that week, so the same night we played Teal. Both teams have been undefeated at that stage, so that effectively gave Hiram first place because they were playing Hilbert on Saturday. So uh, it was going to come down to Penn State Barron, Penn State Altoona on the the last days to decide who was going to finish in the fourth spot and who was going to finish fifth. And Geneva and us would decide who finished second and third. So, we were obviously both locked into qualification for the conference tournament. It was just a question of which of us was going to host our our semifinal matchup the following week on Wednesday. And then we got shut down. Um, Friday night, find out that my assistant coach has tested positive. Um, and he had tested because his mom had tested positive. So... Not something that you know could have necessarily been avoided and all that, but automatic 10-day 10, 10 shutdown for the program. Others have gone through it. Like I said, Hilbert went through it right at the beginning of conference season. Uh, just in our case, the timing was as bad as it could be because we couldn't play that Saturday against Geneva, and then we couldn't play the following weekend in the conference tournament, which we clearly qualified for. <laughs> to make matters worse, uh Geneva then hosted Penn State Barron in the, the semifinal uh because they had finished they had beaten Altoona uh, on Saturday prior, giving giving them the four, but with us dropping out, that pushes them up to the three-seed, and thus Altuna the four-seed. So the one-four was Hiram against Altoona, and then the two-three was Geneva against Barron. Well, Barron beats Geneva. And we're looking at just, oh, uh, we so could have beaten Geneva, and which I thought anyway, I mean, we could have. If we played as well as we were capable of playing, Geneva was a beatable team. Um, and it kind of it gets interesting beyond that. Hiram, not surprisingly, beat uh, Altoona. So it's, it's Barron, I'd say Baron, and Hiram playing in the final at Hiram. And it ends up going five with Hiram uh, managing to to pull out the win. So you look at that again and you go, oh, we just tried against Hiram too. I mean, we could have, we would have been in a good position to get in the finals. And Hiram has some good players. That's, that's absolutely for sure. Uh, and they gave us some problems in that first match. But it was really hard to make any real conclusions given what happened with the injury and the replacement and all that. So it would have been an interesting rematch. Uh, and, and the guys would have been up for it, for sure, because they they felt like you know bad luck cost them that first one. But at the end of the day, that's that was it. So, you know, we're shut down. We can't play. That's, you know, the end of the season. And it's obviously really disappointing for everybody. My assistant coach feels really, really bad about it. Uh, but it's, it's not like it's his fault. Uh, so we did um, nominations and selection for all conference last week, and did all the voting for that. We ended up getting one guy in the first team, one guy in the second team. I thought we should have got more—at um, least three, four might have been a strong, you know, a, a bit of a stretch. But at least three, I thought. Barron ended up getting four. Three in the first team, one of which is the Libro, and there's there's a thing in their selections where you have to pick a Libro for first team and for second team. But you don't have to pick any other positions specifically, so there didn't end up being any setters on the all-conference selection for this year, which is a little bit strange and disappointing. Uh, maybe it's something that needs to be looked at. I don't know. It's, it's not for me to decide. Uh, but anyway... We didn't have an, uh, anybody really to compete for the newcomer of the year. Uh, I'm guessing I was probably number two in the voting for coach of the year. The Hiram coach got it. Um, when you win the conference, you're probably going to get it. I, I thought I had a good case because he, both of us are first year uh, in, in their programs, he had three all-conference players in his squad plus a full squad. I had one second-team all-conference guy from last year and only nine guys in the squad. So he had a bit more to work with than I did. Maybe if we'd been able to play that, you know, through it out, play it out, I would have had a better call. Maybe we would have been able to get more guys or at least one more guy on all-conference. I don't know how that falls out. Um, So just, you know, one more thing to kind of pile on a, a bit of a rough end of the season anyway. Uh, one of the funny conversations that I had was with Ruth Nelson, who ac- accused me of sandbagging at the when I talked about my expectations for the season. And honestly, I wasn't doing that. I mean, I didn't know what I was up against. I had never seen these teams play before. When we were talking, it was earlier in the in the semester. I hadn't seen any of them play on video. I mean, Geneva, I believe it was Geneva. Yeah, Geneva played a bunch of pre-conference matches, like eight of them, which is way more than anybody else. So, got to see them a bit, but that's one team out of out of eight or seven that you know we're trying to look at. So, until uh, until I saw everybody after like the first week of conference and kind of really got an assessment of where everybody was at and where we were at relative to them. I had no idea where we were. So we could have we could have been the fifth best team for for all I knew. Uh, as, but it turns out we we did better than that. So, so that's good. And the things that we can look back on is okay, hey, we had our best conference season since 2016 uh in that we were like I said, we were five and one in conference and in 2016 they went 16 and only won the conference. Uh, the only other winning season in this span was 2017 when they were 10 and six. so on a win percentage basis we were better our over we had our overall record was six and three, so we had a winning record which we again hadn't had overall since 2016 uh, so two things on the plus side. I think 2018 was the last time we put two guys in the all-conference team. And 2017 was the last time we put a guy in the first team. So good progress in, in that regard. Um, again, we'd like to see more. But, hey, that's the way it goes. You just kind of have to look at it. Okay, how can we step up from there next season? And what do we need to do in terms of recruiting and scheduling and all that stuff to, to really start ramping things up the way that I think the program is capable of going. Um, Going beyond that, uh, this week, I took part in the all region voting uh, Monday. I mean, we we did our our pre-meeting balloting over the weekend and had our conference call on Monday. So it was interesting being part of that process because you basically have two representatives from each of the conferences that were part of our region. And this is ABCA regions, which is a little bit different than the NCA regions. Um, tomorrow, which is Thursday, I will be sitting in on the All America call. Uh, I did my ballot for that today, and that's one representative from each of the conferences that's that's involved, um, or something something like that. I don't know. I don't know if we've got one for every single conference, but it's something close to that anyway. Uh, all voting to decide who gets the All-American Awards. So first time I've been involved in those processes, so it's an interesting learning experience seeing how the sausage is made, so to speak. Uh, Anyway, that, you know, wraps up the 2021 season for the Madai men. As I said, we're, you know, in recruiting mode now. Uh, I've got a couple weeks left in the the academic term uh, before guys will go home. One of them, well... One of them for sure is going to graduate. I think the other one won't necessarily graduate in May, but maybe in August or something like that. Uh, but he's planning on sticking around for grad school and staying on the team for a couple more seasons. We'll see how that works out. But, yeah, got to got to get their recruiting going because that's been definitely a struggle with the men. Um, still got work to do on the women's side. And now got to start really taking 2022 seriously, especially for the women who tend to, to operate – um, earlier in the cycle than the guys do. So that's it. Um, quick wrap up. Hopefully, I'll be back in the next episode with another guest and talking about meaty subjects. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy the multiple women's championship tournaments that are going on right now. The NCAA Division ones just started today. The Division two tournaments going on. The NJCAA tournaments going on uh Ben's D3's uh next week the D1 D2 is i think the week after that or something along those lines so lots of interesting and exciting volleyball to check out and i've got friends who who are in uh, playoffs in their professional leagues overseas uh, my good friend Ruben who's been on this podcast actually just finished up his series yesterday unfortunately his team went out 3-1 in the in the Championship series. So silver medal. To go along with the silver medal they won in their, in the country cup final as well. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll get him on and have him talk about what his feelings are about the season and and the progress they made or, or whatever. Uh, hear how that goes. In any case, uh, if you're still coaching, good luck. I uh, wish you well. If you're not, enjoy all the other volleyball that's happening, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes on the website coachingvb.com for links to further information about this episode. You'll also be able to find the complete back catalog of prior coaching conversation. While you're there, you can sign up for my mailing list. Members find out in advance what conversations I'll be doing next and can submit questions if they like. If you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash coachingvb. Patrons get early access to every episode as well as other special benefits along the way. I'm always interested in hearing what you think about coaching conversations and ideas you might have of topics and or guests for future episodes. You can send them to me at john at tweet them to at coachingvb, or hit me up on my Facebook page, Coaching Volleyball. All the best until next time.